Welcome to Southern Pride Admission. Uh, for this episode, I sat down and for the first time I made a phone call uh, to Issa Lewis uh, up in Michigan, and I know that's not Southern, and she's not Southern in any way, but her upcoming poetry collection, which is available for pre-order now, um, covers life in rural America in a, in a way that is very southern and is very uh it breaks it down into moments and really gives the feel of that small town in America and at this point in history I think it's important for us all to try to understand that there's a little bit of us and everybody around and that we share some experiences with the rest of the country um, so without further ado, this is episode eight of Southern Fried Ambition with Issa Lewis. Well, he is what I call my perpetually cheerful child. Okay. Because so, even when he's sick, he acts perfectly happy. Mm-hmm. But then you get, you know, to, for example, last night, and he goes to bed, and he starts coughing for literally hours. Oof. And he didn't sleep because he was coughing so badly, and to the point where I thought he was going to just, you know, herk himself right up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he didn't, thankfully. But it did make for a pretty awful night. So we went visit the pediatrician today and they said, well, it's just a virus, a cold. You just got to live with it. <laughs> um, take some honey. And, <laughs> and, uh, and suck it up. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty much. I mean, in, in kinder terms. I'm like, well, well, we'll do what we can. But yeah. Being up all night with him set me back. You know, I was starting to feel a little better. And then today I'm like, oh. Uh, so uh, I, I guess you're you're not at all Southern, um, which do- doesn't really fit into this podcast at all. So um, I'll have to shoehorn it in there somehow. Um, I can put an accent on. <laughs> uh, that'll be okay. We'll just say like a Southerner is frying you with these questions or something. Uh, I, I don't I, know. I'll, I'll throw I, some sort I'm, of spin I'm from board. Southwest Michigan. There you go. Yeah. It's the lower peninsula. <laughs> so that's Southern. It is. Southern. Yeah. Yeah. It is. We're the trolls. <laughs> that's what, that, that's what we're called. We're the trolls. Cause we're under the bridge. Get it? Ha. Ah, ha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you are a, what, a color guard instructor and, and a, a professor and a, a writer. I, I do. I, I wear many hats. And yes, that's not your phone, Nana. <laughs> a silly boy. Oh, kaboom. Yes, I, I wear many hats, including being a mother to a child that I just said was perpetually cheerful, but you're proving me wrong. 
Who has decided that he's not cheerful when you're not paying attention to him. That Yeah, I think that's really the bottom line. Uh, when he's being Captain No-Nap. Um, but yeah, I, I teach full-time at a university. I, I coach uh, young men and women to run around gyms and football fields <laughs> with various weird pieces of equipment in their hands and to dance and mm-hmm. all that wonderful stuff. I I keep thinking that I should maybe cut something out, but it nothing ever but, seems... Yeah, the problem is um, deciding what to cut out, I think. Yeah, um, it, when it all is so dear to me, I just can't, just can't make that decision, can I? Huh. <laughs> so you get to come along to a lot of stuff. Oh! No, like today, you're going to go to Brother's Cub Scout meeting, isn't that exciting? No, no, no! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I also got talked into being a Cub Scout leader, so isn't that Yeah, you're you're also the den leader for the Cub Scouts, huh? I am, Uh, (laughs) because I'm a sucker like that. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, So, uh, I guess, um, what, you, you were in Color Guard in high school and then went on... Went on and did the the drum corps thing. I did. Um, I did. And I guess that led to where you are now with that. Yep, I did. Uh, I I joined in high school because I never have played a musical instrument, at least not well enough to, you know, be in any kind of ensemble. I I am a singer, uh, but I just can't get my get my head around playing an instrument. But in high school, I had a crush on the first trombone player in the band. Well, trombone players are awesome. They really are. I married one. Not this one, but, you know, (laughs) I was on the right track. It just took a while. Uh, No, I I, I had a big crush on him, so my friend said, well, you should join the band, and then you can go to band camp together, and you can hang out with him, and he'll get to know you, and then maybe he'll like you. And you can ride the van bus and all kinds Uh, of weird stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't know how to do that. And she said, well, why don't you just do the flag thing? Well, I, I guess I could. Um, so I joined and that never, you know, materialized that relationship that I was after. Uh, well, you know, they, they rarely do. In, in, I don't think he knew my here. name, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. it did get me a lifelong hobby and passion. So uh, I guess I do owe him something for that. Thank you for being moderately attractive in high school. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, then I, I, I enjoyed that so much that I joined a, a drum corps. I was in drum corps for five years. I have no idea what normal teenagers do with their summers um, because yeah. from 16 to 21, that's what I was doing with mine. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I did some winter guard in there, too. And, you know, once I aged out, I, I took a little break. Um, and then I was uh, offered a position at our local high school here when we moved to Otsego, Michigan, which mm-hmm. is, I'm doing the hand thing that all Michigan people do. Ah, I, I, I think all all people try to yeah do hand things when they're uh, when they're on audio things. <laughs> Only in Michigan can you really do the hand thing and have yeah, it look yeah. right. Yeah, you're you're doing the mitten, huh? <laughs> yes. So I'm pointing at a small small town, you know, in the southwest corner. And, uh, yeah, it just went from there. They're a very competitive, uh, band program. And then I started collaborating with some other band programs across 
the county and we started a winter program, which is just getting started right now for our sixth season. And uh, yeah, we were state champions last year in our in our class, which was very exciting. And we're hoping for another good year. Yeah, I know a, a few of the years with the Otsego, you 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 dragged me into uh, to edit the the sound for it um, when and you know I did a hack job and but you said it was okay, so it um, it worked out. I, <laughs> it, it gave me some uh, some tools with audacity that I, I hope to be using now. So. Oh. oh! Hey, Captain No Nap. <laughs> or at least go watch Wally. Go Wally! Well, seeing as our sons are so close in age, I'm I'm sure you're you're very aware with this kind of conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we got the three year old, and yeah, um, he he is a. Uh, he, he, he is expressive when he is uh, unhappy. Um, we'll go with that. <laughs> Why suffer in silence? I think that's the lesson we can all take away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, either, you know, when he wakes up in the middle of the night, he either lets you know by, you know, by screaming to the hills or by just, you know, carrying on a conversation with somebody. <laughs> um, cheerful and uh, I, I think he's actually... Half the time he's just verbatim repeating the television show he watched the day before. Oh, yeah. Um, which, yeah, which is just odd when you hear some of the things that he's discussing in the middle of the night. Um, you know, you know, nice, nice, happy tales of mo- with monsters and or whatever. You know, if you're watching Sesame Street, there's monsters, but they're happy monsters. Uh, so, yeah. There's always something, always something fascinating happening with the three-year-old. Oh, yes. Yeah, this morning Ian uh, had a very lively debate with himself about whether he would like a donut. Ah. I had no, at no point had mentioned donuts. I don't know where he got the idea, but, you know, just talk to yourself. You want a donut? Maybe. No. You sure? Maybe. Yeah, no. You know, I'm like, who are you even talking to? I, I don't know why a small child would be trying to convince himself not to have a donut. Well, here's that, the thing. Just, he uh, never eats the donut. He eats the frosting. And uh, leaves the cake okay. part behind, which is a travesty in my opinion. But <laughs> we do actually have one of the best donut shops in the world nearby to us. So mm-hmm. they're spoiled in the fact that they get Sweetwater Donuts. Shout out. Which they're building one right by our house. Oh my gosh. The closest one is 15 to 20 minutes away. And now we will have one like three minutes away. So between that and our best ice cream in the world, plain well ice cream, I'm probably going to weigh 300 pounds in the next five years. I've been to the ice cream place. I I have not been to the donut place. Yes, we did um, take you there, didn't we? Yeah, um, about five years ago, our hometown donut shop, um, a Dunkin' Donuts opened a few doors down, and they they just they they couldn't keep up, I guess, and and they went away, and and their their donuts are you know just so much better than the the chain stuff, and I don't understand why they lost business. Um, <laughs> doesn't make sense to me why why you would go to Dunkin' Donuts when good. You know, small town donut shop is is three doors down. You know, 
I guess everybody wants the new shiny thing. I will stick with the not shiny, delicious thing. Yes, yes, always. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that you know. If 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 I'm going into a, a small town, sometimes we'll go to little towns for vacation or whatever. Like we went to Flagstaff, Arizona, when we were living out that way, and you know, one of the things that that we ran into and went into was there was a small town donut shop there, and it was like, okay, let's try their donuts, and they were good. Because it's a small town donut shop, they're going to be good. Um, so yeah, the the small town businesses are are worth backing because it's usually higher quality stuff than the mass market crap. Exactly, exactly. I I love the fact that I live in a small town, uh, that we have mm-hmm. some wonderful small town businesses, and even our local, you know, larger city that's about fifteen to twenty minutes down the road, Kalamazoo, uh, mm-hmm. and and Portage. You know, even though they are a larger town, still have that really small town feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and lots of really great mom and pops, you know, small businesses that we love to go to. No, I can't have these, honey. I know these will put you to sleep, though. On the other hand, <laughs> I shouldn't think that. Shouldn't think. Gee, I should give you some sleep medication. But I just might, you never know. Here's some Benadryl. Yes. It's good to drink. This is called whiskey. It tastes yummy. yummy. <laughs> whiskey is what daddy likes. <laughs> some good Irish whiskey. <laughs> It'll make you go nice and sleepy. <laughs> if you manage to swallow it. <laughs> and not do what I did when I was approximately three, which is to mistake my dad's liquor for apple juice oh there you go and just take a good swig i i sprayed it all over the table it was <laughs> such a betrayal that was what? nowhere Why near are you apple drinking juice. this <laughs> your juice your juice went bad dad <laughs> yeah how how can anyone possibly drink this and to this day i think whiskey is nasty I, i've never been much of a of a whiskey person myself so uh, you're preaching to the choir. Um, on top of you know all the, all the uh, the teaching and the and the cub scouting and the winter guarding, um, you also managed to uh, to take time to put a book together. I did, I did, and uh, that actually segues really well with our discussion of small towns and small town life there because that is exactly what the book is about um awesome people are constantly asking me what is what is the book about and it's always hard to say what a book of poetry is about Mm -hmm. but in this case it really does have um a driving force um my inspiration for it comes from my husband's mother's family Uh, my Mm mother-in-law and all of her siblings her parents her grandparents have lived in this uh, family farmhouse in a very small town um, in south central Michigan called Grass Lake. Um, I'm doing the hand thing again and pointing to Yeah, which she's pointing pointing to her palm. palm. The center of my palm, you know, right towards the bottom. (laughs) Um, It's outside of a larger town called Jackson, which would actually be on the map. Uh, Grass Lake would be in the tiny little words that you can hardly see. You'd have to really zoom in on Google Maps to find it. 
Um, <laughs> it's a very small town. And so this is uh, basically now I can say it's a four generation family farmhouse um, because mm-hmm. uh, my husband's cousin is living there right now. Um, my grandfather-in-law lived there his whole life and just passed away earlier this year, unfortunately, at the ripe age of 93. And mm-hmm. he was a very dear man, um, beloved by pretty much anyone who met him. He was um, just exactly what you would imagine a, a small town farmer guy to be like in his old age. Just yeah. very quiet, keeps to himself, but social. He loves he loved to go out even to the end of his life. He was very involved in his local church and senior group and all this stuff. He would go on these major trips with his uh, children and grandchildren. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was quiet, but he was ever present. And if you did actually take the time to sit down and talk with him, he had a, a wonderful sense of humor. Um, a really, well, that, really funny guy. That's, that's one thing you find with the with the 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 um, the people that make it into their nineties and, and stuff like that. They're the they're the more outgoing ones that that actually get out and keep doing stuff and don't don't become sedentary in their age and and you know and they basically they still have something to live for and they just kind of you know keep going and 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 keep moving forward in life. You know. Oh, absolutely. He. He was always my pick for a Euchre partner when we played Euchre Mm -hmm. because he was the best. And uh, (laughs) he, you know, he just delighted me. That's a card game. It is a card game. If you aren't from the Midwest, it's a card game. Um, (laughs) And uh, it's, uh, you know, the fact that he was able to live long enough to have great grandchildren and to live to his to his very you know last moments in his own home that he grew up in, he never mm-hmm. had to go into assisted living or a nursing facility or anything like that, um, and was always up at the crack of dawn, even when the farm was no longer active anymore. And it was still an active farm when uh, my husband and I started dating, and so he mm-hmm. would you know Ryan would take me there and. I get to see all the barns and um, they had a sheep. That was one of the main things that they had on the farm um, and then surrounding farmland. And what inspired me to write the book was, you know, having now been with my husband for 15 years and Uh watching the landscape of that area change. um, I I think most people are familiar with the city of Ann Arbor, Michigan, home of the University of Michigan. Um, That would be the next major town to the east. And um, so many people who work in Ann Arbor or in the surrounding areas uh, would choose a place like Grass Lake to live in because it's a pretty quick commute, but you'd probably live for half the cost. Um, So much uh, less expensive to buy a house in Grass Lake or any Chelsea or these little tiny towns. And so the urban sprawl has been encroaching in Grass Lake for some time. And then as Dean got older, my, my grandfather-in-law got older um, and none of his children had interest in maintaining the farm. And, you know, let's be honest, economically, why would you, it's not a, an easy industry to be in. And uh, so as he got older and he sold off pieces of the land when he was no longer working the farm, he sold off the animals. Mm -hmm. Nope. You had all, you had what you had. That's enough. And, uh, that's enough. 
Go find your Pessy, okay? And uh, um, he sold it off, and you know, people would buy up the land. Now there's a dentist's office right next to his house, where there used to be just a field. And there's a car dealership just down the road. It's it's really strange to watch these little snippets of modern civilization sort of creeping in around this hundred year old farmhouse. Right. And you know the the town itself intrigued me. I've, I've always been a sucker for history. I wanted to learn more about the town. I wanted to learn more about my husband's family, and you know the the people who built the house, and then they had their family there. They had Dean. You know, in Dean's life, I mean, he had a really kind of a awesome life. I mean, he did a lot of stuff. He he was a World War II veteran. Uh, he raised four children. He farmed. He was a county commissioner for Jackson County. He drove a school bus. <laughs> you know, all these, these random fun things and, and took trips around the world. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's it was fun to learn about his life and I the book itself that I wrote um, is a series of poems and if you read them individually they're they're fine as poems individually but if you read them in order it actually tells the story um, okay starting with the building of the house the deciding on purchasing the land mm-hmm. you know major life events weddings births deaths um, and ends with uh, with Dean's passing. Um, my only sadness is, of course, that he is not around to read this book because I think he would love it. Um, I took a few creative licenses here and there. Um, Dean himself yeah. was not born As in you the do. house. <laughs> yeah, Dean was not born in the house. He was born in the house they owned prior. Um, but I sort of fudged that a little bit just to help the storyline yeah. <laughs> along. Based on a true story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's close <laughs> enough. It was only like a half a mile away. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and the the trick to it, um, I've been trying to encompass this story for a long time and could never do it in a single poem. Um, and I was getting kind of frustrated with it. And then I went to... Uh, AWP, which is the Association of Writers and Writing Programs. It's a major conference um, for anyone mm-hmm. in the writing field or the teaching of writing. And I was sitting in on a panel about the sonnet and how it's okay. it's an archaic form. I mean, it's one of our oldest forms of writing. Um, mm-hmm. And formalism, you know, doesn't really have a large place in modern poetry. But... Right they were pointing out that you can do great things with a sonnet and Mm -hmm. someone had the idea. If you've got a really long idea, why don't you break it up into sonnets? No, you may not have it back. And they said, break it up into sonnets and tell it as an extended story. And each sonnet is its own self-contained piece, but strung together becomes a story. And I said, oh, that's a great idea. Oh, my gosh. So, so kind, of like a, kind of like a chapter system where if you treated each chapter as its own short story. It, exactly. Yeah. It just covers a little bit. <laughs> you, oh, you're asking so nicely. Thank you. I know, but that's not for little boys. I don't know where you got it. Um, but, of course, then, like, like seven or eight sonnets in, I'm like, this is a terrible idea. 
<laughs> oh, baby. You know, I'm like, Shakespeare, how did you do this? You wrote hundreds of these things. And I'm toast yeah, yeah. already. Um, well, yeah, practice helps, I guess. Once you get in a groove, you can just keep going. It, you know, there were, it basically was kind of in fits and starts. You know, I'd, I'd put a, a few out there and they'd go really quickly and then I'd get stuck and I'd have to put it aside and think about it a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Just one second. All right. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I, I get stuck on certain ones that, that meant a lot and I needed to get them right. You know, I, I couldn't just sort of spill it out there. I had to really, I had to really get in there and, and get it right. And so those, those bore some heavy revisions, which is hard. It's very hard to revise a, a poem that's in a form because mm-hmm. the syllables matter. The sounds matter. You can't just cut yeah. a word or you mess up the form. So <laughs> if you take something out, you've got to put something in its place. And right. yeah. um, so that was a struggle um, a little bit, but I have a beautiful friend and she is Southern. So it fits. Um, so so my, there we go. Yes. Yeah. My, my dear was... friend, uh, Tave niece, who is um, a founding men- member and editor of trio house press of which I am also an editor. It's a small poetry press. Um, and she was a colleague of mine at my MFA program when I did my MFA in poetry many years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, she and I have remained friends since that time. We work together closely at the press. Um, and when I say work, I mean, you know, voluntarily because it's not a paid position, but uh, um, we're doing great things with the press. We're very excited about it. Uh, but I asked right. her if she would give a readover um, of the book just to see, you know, am I, am I crazy or is this actually okay? Because um, sometimes <laughs> you, you sit with something for long enough and it, it, right. you're like, what is this even? I can't even tell. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, so you, yeah. I need... Anything, anything that you create and, and they're starting to uh, show to other people, uh, you, you automatically just start to believe that it's absolute crap. I, I get that. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've uh, made music, so I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's. <laughs> You know, you look at it long enough and you're like, I can't even tell if this is good anymore. And yeah, <laughs> so I, I beseeched her and I, you know, gave her a great deal of, of love and uh, <clears throat> kindness to ask her to do this for me. And she read it over and gave me some excellent feedback. She has a wonderful editorial eye. And mm-hmm. um, if you're listening, Tave, I love you. And she, <laughs> uh, you know, she helped me formatted into the into what it needed to be and uh from there we just i just started sending it out to um several presses that i thought might be interested that's that's the the gig when you're when you're trying to submit stuff that you've written um you have to make sure that you're researching the markets that you're submitting to it does no good to waste anybody's time sending them something that is clearly not a fit for them and right um also, there's the issue of contest. If you submit to a contest, there's probably going to be a fee. And right. is there even a decent chance that you'll recoup that money? You know, it's it's always hard to say. Um, so I tried to stay away from contests a little bit um, just because I knew if they're only going to pick one out of several hundred, is that right. really, you know, going to be worth it for me to send them $25? 
So yeah, uh, at, I, at a minimum twenty five dollars. Yeah, yeah they vary. Um, I I have a few that I submit to you know semi regularly um, as a press, yeah. just as for individual poems. So I tried a couple of those, and um, one called Finishing Line Press, which is a very well known uh, publishing house. They do about I think about forty manuscripts a year. Um, they have. Mm-hmm some contests they have some just open reading submissions where you just send it and they'll pick whichever ones they like um i was honestly not expecting to hear back from them um i have sent to them in the past and i know how many submissions they get and you want it okay and uh she i i didn't think you know i think they get upwards of a thousand maybe submissions Uh a year uh maybe more than that i actually i think it is more than that now that i think of it um, so I thought, you know, well, it, it might happen. It might not. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. but of all the places I sent to, that is the one that, that got back to me and said, and I saw the email come up and it, it's through a, an online site called submittable, um, that you okay. can submit. It's, it's really great because you can submit, um, digitally, digitally and get responses very quickly sometimes. Um, but you know, it just says, you know, you have a message from finishing line press. I'm like, Oh great. Look, a rejection. <laughs> and then I open it and I'm like, oh, it's not a rejection. Oh, oh, oh what? <laughs> oh, okay. This is happening. Um, so that was an exciting day um, mm-hmm. for me. Uh, and so I've been working with them. That was back in, um, oh, I think that was back in September. And okay. uh, so we, we started, you know, working together um, on the editorial process and preparing everything and um, they've been wonderful to work with, um, very nice people. And then I was, you know, once everything was signed and ready to go, I was able to announce and now it's in the pre-sale mode. So get your copy today. <laughs> and the more you, uh, the, the more you sell in pre-sale, the, the bigger the pressing will be. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, so, they do so that at everybody system. go and pre-order. <laughs> yes. That, that's the moral of the story. Um, it, it's awful. It's awful. I'm, this is my first time marketing a book. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, much, much of it does fall to the individual to market their own material and get it out there. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Unless you get on a, on a big publisher who have distribution channels and advertising and, you know, right, and all right. that it, as a, as a smaller, as a smaller uh, writer. Yeah. It's going to fall on you. Yeah, it's, and that's difficult for me because I'm not a salesy person. (laughs) So, you know, to walk around like, hey, you should buy this book. It feels really awkward um, for me to say. So um, I did set up a Facebook page for myself, an author page. I have a website, um, which is issalewis.com, if anyone wants to visit that, um, with a blog. So I'm I'm trying to get more active in just blogging my thoughts about about Mm -hmm. writing, about the publishing industry. Um, of course, I'm also knee deep in editing a book right now for Tria House Press, which is a glorious book by Iris Jamal Dunkel called Interrupted Geographies. And you should all get that as well when it comes out, because it's she is a just a soaring talent. Um, and it's been such a privilege to work with her. We're very kindred in our subject matter and our style of writing. Um, it was a very good fit for us to work together um, on awesome. that book. So I'll plug that as well. Um, that's due, not due to come out until later in 2017. Um, okay. But um, it's my first lead editing job. I've been an assistant editor 
um, before, but this is my first time taking the lead role. Um, and it has just been glorious, uh, to work with, uh, her and to work with true house press again, um, to pull this book out. This is actually the second book of irises that we have published. Um, sweet. Yeah. She's, so she's a, a repeat, a repeat offender with true yes, house yes. press. Um, I was just thinking, would you, would it be okay if I maybe read something from the book? Would that be something? Oh, sure. Yeah, that, that'd be fine. Let me pull up something. Um, just so people could get a flavor of, of what it is. Because mm-hmm. um, you can talk about these things and then you're just still not sure. All right. So this is uh, a couple of early poems in the book from the beginning of the story, I guess I should say, um, of mm-hmm. the building of the house and sort of the pop- populating of it. Um, with um, And all of the, the people are only indicated by their first initials. Um, one okay. of my goals um thanks to my friend tave um to avoid this getting too i guess sentimental to spoon river anthology ish um was to try to keep it a little more edgy um so if you hear uh an initial that's just that's a person all right so and none of these poems have titles they're just numbered one two three four so this is number three in michigan tradition holes are dug to hold the belly of the thing, the beams reaching up to the sky like ribs to hug the walls together, cinching up the seams. The hole is dirt or mason block, its sides mortared into their places by skilled hands. Crawl down into the cool, damp underside and fill it with blue glass and metal cans as tokens of last year's lush, full harvest a spider furnace reaching soot-black arms that shake and roar, the burn of coal expressed in ire, in heat, a winter chill alarm. This is the start of Farmer C's new home, man with a shovel, yielding earth, rich loam. And then we have number four, which is uh, the Farmer C again. On this fertile ground, surrounded by sky so blue a brown eye could get lost in it, the farmer sea takes his young wife to lie down in the fuzz-topped tall grass for a bit. They gaze at clouds, name children yet to be, and draw them on her belly like a map of fields. What seeds to use, what moon to see at night for best planting. So soft her lap, he lays his head there, listening to the sounds of growth, of promise burbling up inside of her like question marks, soft sideways rounds full up. They reach for each other and sigh. Life all around them growing slow and green, full of light, leaves press forward to be seen. Uh, it sounds like you've um, you've managed to capture the, the kind of um, where a small moment will cap- encapsulate you know, so much feeling about a time. Um, it's almost like the picture is worth a thousand words type thing. That, yeah, that's 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 kind of what I was, was going for. And it's kind of a, I guess, a philosophy of mine is that the moments, the microcosm is, is the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our life yeah. is lived in these moments that we sort of jump from one to one, um, and the more that, always moving from one moment to the next. Yeah. So the, the more that you can stop and take in, you know, the, mm-hmm. the breadth of everything, you know, how, 
how sweet it really is. You know, it, with with a sick two year old, you know, even though he is generally pretty happy, he is tends to fall asleep a lot. And, you know, he <laughs> fell asleep on me, you know, over the weekend when he wasn't feeling well. And, you know, my, my husband's just shaking his head because at this point it's, you know, five o'clock at night and he's never going to go back to bed once he wakes up. Um, right. And he's like, we should really wake him. And I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. But you, but know, you can't. I'm like, how much longer yeah. do I have of, of him being able to sleep on me, you know, at, at two years old? Mm-hmm. He's in another year, he's going to be off and running and going to preschool for Pete's sake. So <laughs> I, I need, I need to keep this moment with me as long as I possibly can that I have this, you know, warm, heavy little lump, you know, yeah. laying on me, you know? So, you know, I have a seven year old as well. And I, he's not sitting on my lap. He can't fit on my lap. <laughs> he's no longer a lump. What no, the hell? He's, he's not yeah. a lump. He's he's a uh, tightly wound ball of energy is what he is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's kind of these are like these little vignettes of 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 moments that encapsulate something important about the life mm-hmm. of these people and the life of the town. Um, it's a really cool little town. And speaking of small town businesses, they just apparently opened a really cool little coffee shop, someone said. So. I'm going to have to make my way over there again and there you go. Check it out. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess we're kind of running into time. Um, other than what we've been talking about for the last half hour, do you have uh, anything else you want to promote or, um, um hmm. uh, no, I would just check out the book, <laughs> uh, check out finishing line press, check out trio house press. Um, and I guess I would say uh, that, you know, while the average person may not have, a lot of poetry in their lives in terms of, you know, what they read on a daily basis. Um, Mm -hmm. I would encourage people who are not poets, who are not into that to still read, Um, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, especially my book, haha. Um, But especially not just your, not just your Facebook feed. Right. I mean, read, read (laughs) these, these things because I mean, this is all of us, whether you grew up in a farming town, whether you grew up, in the city, I mean, these these moments, everyone can find themselves in these moments and think about, you know, what moments define you. And mm-hmm. I think that's what art and that's what music and that's what poetry does for all of us is to yeah. take us outside of this day-to-day mon- mundaneness, you know, got to get up, got to get to work, got to drop the kids off, got to, you know, right. pick, pack lunches and, and all that stuff. And, you know, your life is more than packing lunches. You know, there's important things happening with and within you and without you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that reading poetry reminds us of that. And the necessity and, and, to return to that. And sometimes the, the small things that you would normally just look past are the important things anyway. But anyway. <laughs> yes, that was my philosophical <laughs> note for the moment. Just return to your moments and and treasure them. Mm-hmm. well thank you thank you for having me on here i'm excited I'm, i've never been on a podcast before it's exciting <laughs> and uh yeah um, i think we will wrap up on that and uh and i will talk at y'all next time yeah.
This has been a Southern Geek Podcast.